This weekend of the box office, we start a new year by talking about the same movie, plus the long-awaited conclusion of season screenings. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this, the 181st episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week, we pour, sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah, and boy, oh boy, do I hope that same movie we're talking about is The King's Man. I'll tell you what happened there. I uh, The subtitles on this didn't go. Uh-huh. And so I saw a mouth move and no words, and I thought, huh? And then I, <laughs> my brain exploded. And then it happened to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except my mouth didn't move. Um, no, we're not talking about The King's Man, which is Thank just God. the clunkiest. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit, but it's just the clunkiest title. When we saw a trailer for The King's Man in theaters the other day, yeah. after it had already been released, and I thought I was free, I thought I was rid of that trailer forever. <laughs> a theater like experience it. i hope we never speak of again <laughs> just top to bottom bad as it turned out yeah i mean i thought i think uh, i think given the uh the benefit of time it'll be kind of amusing sure first time it's ever happened so that's so yeah not for me all right sorry sorry to the village <laughs> that wasn't of your own volition though your mother made you well this wasn't necessarily of your own volition either we decided uh, together. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I think that you didn't decide. Like, all right, I'm leaving this movie because it's sure. bad. It was just sure. uh, circumstances dictated, shall we say? Sure, sure, sure. How about a top five? A top five. Uh, say, uh, how about the top five friends? Okay. There's six of them. <laughs> sure. Wow. Who, wait, wait. You. I bet you're leaving out. You're leaving out one of them then, yeah? Yeah. I bet you're leaving out Rachel. Go ahead. Okay. I think you have a soft spot for Monica. Okay. All right. We'll find out pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Number five is Phoebe. Low ranking for Phoebe. Low rank. Well, the thing is that uh, they're all pretty good. All the friends. It was a big, successful sitcom. Everyone liked it, more or less. Uh, And for generally good reason. I like all the friends. Even number six, who we'll find out who it is a little later. Uh, but yeah, Phoebe is a, a generally a very one note, and I find that note can be a little hit or miss at times. Uh, but still, really, really like Phoebe. She's got uh, she's got some great lines, even in this uh, this episode we're going to talk about. Uh, at the beginning, Joey uh, Joey says to Phoebe, uh, Ross wants to kiss you at midnight. She goes, it's so obvious. Why doesn't he just ask? <laughs> yeah. And like, it's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of number four, Joey, the spinoff King himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot, in a lot of ways, a, a very similar character to Phoebe. Uh, very, uh, very one note in what he does. I find uh, a little, a little more often successful. You know, we didn't get a Phoebe spinoff for a reason. That's true. But I, uh, but still, I I don't know that uh, I don't I don't know that Joey can carry things on his own, you know. Turns out I, he can't. No, that's true. We have evidence. I, number three, unfortunately for you, is Rachel. Okay, so now I think you're leaving off 
Monica. Wait, no. Who? Oh, yeah. You're leaving off. Monica. There's no way you're leaving off Ross. He's and if you are, you watched. Monica. If you are, you watched the wrong episode. Go ahead. Ross is probably the most hated friend, which is insane. And you think there's no way I'm leaving him off? David Schwimmer is a David Schwimmer is occasionally, frequently the best uh, performer on this show. Uh, perhaps that's true. Who's to say? Uh, right now we're talking about Rachel, though. Uh, an underrated performer on the show, I would say. Rachel Jennifer Aniston, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston yeah. is uh, was kind of the the superstar to come of this show for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I agree that her performance is is underrated. She's not often talked about among the uh, the funniest of them, but I think she should be because she's really great. Uh, and you're right. Number two is Ross. Couldn't leave Ross off. Uh, yeah. Ross's reputation is entirely ill-earned. Uh, he's incredible. He does uh, he does a lot of great business, especially uh, in the uh, the middle later seasons. seasons. Yeah, I was just saying really later good. seasons because yeah, the but- the for the fajita thing, and I'm fine. Is I think the last season. Sure. I. It's just in the, it continues into the later seasons, but the later seasons, like all sitcoms, they get they get a little a little big, a little broad mm-hmm. uh, in what they're doing. But like, I think the like Ross has that same energy in this very episode that we're going to talk about. The one with all the resolutions, uh, the business with the leather pants is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, great physical comedy, great big line deliveries. Very fond of Ross. Uh, everyone should love him more. Uh, but number one is Chandler. Has yeah. to be Chandler. Uh, it's tough to be the funny one on a comedy show. Because uh, they're they're all funny. And so like Chandler's thing is that he tells jokes. Uh, and it's just it's a, it's a lot of pressure to live up to. But Matthew Perry is incredible on the show. There's definitely a bit of a. Uh, a bit of nostalgia glasses uh, going on. Chandler was always my favorite growing up. I see. I, I think uh, it had a lot of uh, a lot of influence on the kind of uh, humor I wanted to be a part of at the time. I, uh, but I'm uh, I'm ever uh, ever so fond of him. He's very good. They're all very good, except Monica, who I think is fine. Sorry, Monica. Yeah, Monica is. Um... She has moments though where she's excellent. Oh, absolutely. She has her eye knows are always great. Um, but yeah, she, I, I I I think she's the least essential. I would agree. I as for our actual top five, I uh, week fifty three, going to box office mojo. Don't know if they know about the years, but this is week fifty three. I uh, Spider Man No Way Home came in at number one this weekend with 56 million dollars that was a 33 percent drop 33.7 percent to be precise it has a total of 613.6 million dollars so far sing two came in at number two with 20.1 million dollars a 9.7 percent drop hello christmas hello new year's that is a total of 90.2 million the King's Man came in at number three with four and a half, a 22.8% drop. That's up to 19.5 million. American Underdog was number four with 3.9 million, a 33.3% drop. That is $14.7 million. And The Matrix Resurrections came in at number five with 3.8 million, a 64.4% drop. That is up to 
million dollars. So we didn't record last week. Um, we did not because I was sick. Circumstances uh, once again rearing their ugly heads. Turns out is with COVID. You can actually hear an episode where I had COVID. I think I talked about this uh, almost a year ago. Take a guess. You can listen to the episodes from a year ago. See which one you think I had it in. Um, and do you know which episode I had it in? Not off the top of my head, but right. I, it's a fun it's, listen. It's a fun listen to go. You didn't know it at the time. Yeah. But uh, something was up. Um, no, th- this time it was my voice and uh, and uh, we decided best not to record. Now, Noah. Yes. Do we have a message for any um, anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers out there? Do we have anything? Going a message to relay. Let's see. God, I mean, I didn't necessarily come with something prepared, so this is just you know my. Uh, I my, am springing my initial, this on you. That's true. My my initial readings, and you know, I I will I will say I do not represent uh, what's in the box office LLC in this. This is uh, my opinions are my own. Uh, retweets are not endorsements, etc. But uh, eat glass. <laughs> Drink, drink gasoline and then a match and then uh, explode, but like slow. I don't know. How's that? Um, I've had it twice. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted, and um, I hate it. And I'm tired of it. And uh, I'm just so tired. So you haven't seen these numbers. We didn't talk about the box office uh, last week. So, what are your first impressions of how the four new movies are doing? Uh, Five, so, if you count a Journal for Jordan down there, number seven. Okay. Uh, well, we'll start with the Journal for Jordan. Bad. Yeah. Uh, done and done. But now, without uh, my analysis, is that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Are you surprised? How How does that number feel to you? I mean, I don't know. I think there's a world. Uh, there's a world in which a Journal for Jordan makes. Uh, money and that that could be one of those movies that like you know i i kind of write off because of my uh, you know my inherent implicit uh, biases uh but then you know we we talk all the time on this podcast about how uh, you know uh, minority audiences will go to movies catered to them uh right. This could just be one of those things where I'm like, no one's going to see that. And then all the black people in the world are like, yeah, we are. <laughs> Why wouldn't we see that? It looks good. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have been surprised if A Journal for Jordan turned into the, one of those movies. But going in, no, I, I did not really expect it would thrive here. Okay. Moving uh, the list. Let's see. And then we've got Sing 2, Kingsman, American Underdog, Matrix Resurrections. Uh, Matrix, not good. No. Uh, which you know, there's the there's the HBO of it all, uh, which I'll I'll say the same thing that I've said for many of these movies, I uh, conceding that it's a problem for its box office, but it's not enough of a problem to make up for those numbers. You've 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 seen the movie. How much do you think they spent on the Matrix Resurrections? I oh god, I'm gonna. Hmm, I mean. I hope it wasn't two hundred million dollars. Okay. I. 
but I don't want to be naive. So I'll say 175. 190. Okay. All right. That's that's tough, but it's, it's not tough. two. Across 100 million worldwide, but um, yeah, that that didn't open well. That's a hard drop. I think that Spider-Man's taking away too much of its crowd, and it also just it was a, a legacy sequel that people didn't want. That's all. Yeah. You know? Turns out. Uh, let's see. American Underdog. I uh, find out how much that costs. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, how much money could they have spent on that? Maybe this is like a. Uh, what's the? Uh, this is like a Blumhouse special, but for sports dramas. Oh, it does not say on Wikipedia. Hmm. Oh, it was free. In that case, a huge hit. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's currently at fourteen. Um, you know, I think that's a solid kind of underlying third choice performer in a in a in a time when no one is seeing movies outside of Spider Man. Yeah. That's uh, that's not a terrible figure for a movie that I'm surprised is that wide and that many people are into. I agree. I uh, the King's Man. I uh, end of the franchise. Yeah, and I, I actually thought that they had announced like a, th- a fourth and final chapter to Eggsy's story, sure, a while ago. But I'm now going to look that up because I'm not sure. Yeah. They're also looking that up. Did we tell people we were doing that? So we don't want to anymore. I mean, it was going to be a hard sell without its. December 2021, Vaughn revealed that filming on the sequel will begin in 2022. Or working, working title Kingsman the Blue Blood. So I guess it'll better be about a bunch of old cops in New York, I think. Nice. Let's get uh, let's get Tom Selleck in there and I'll I'll watch it. Um, I it, it was gonna be a tough sell with its period setting, with its lack of uh, franchise players. Sure. You know, that was always gonna with, be a tough a tough sell. With that trailer making every single person that sees it hate it. I assume. I don't know. I mean, I've I I've, never never minded the trailer. So he I might took be in that trailer to be. You took that personally. Like, do you remember the first Kingsman? Uh, there yes. was like the trigger in the church that made everyone frenzied and kill. Yeah. Yeah. I th- that's kind of what the Kingsman trailer is on the I verge see. of becoming to me. I see. I see. I sing too, though. Seems seems to be quite the hit. Yeah, isn't that? Um, I mean, Illumination. You know, yeah. they, they just they know they know their stuff. Um, it's it's obviously not going to get anywhere near Sing's total. Sing's one of the the highest grossing films never to be number one at the box office. But you know, without any competition, one forty is in range here. Uh, certainly. Yeah. And it's going to be the first animated film of the pandemic to cross a hundred million. It's already the highest grossing animated film of the pandemic passing um, Encanto, which uh, is at, uh, I just passed it. Is at 91. Oh, so it's not yet actually today. Yes. Today and yesterday passed Encanto. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a really happy number for me to see next to Spider-Man is that 90. It's a sequel, you know, so it's like 
we're spending our money, but it's not just on two sequels. But still, to see something else doing well is uh, is very nice to see. Sure. It could have um, been nothing else. So anything else is not bad. Correct. So uh, that leaves us with Spider-Man. No Way Home. Future yeah. Best Picture winner. Here is the, you know, we, we talk about this every year and even throughout the year. The, what's the beauty of uh, Christmas legs? That they, uh, they, that they're, they're just really good legs. I don't know. They, they help movies make money. It's that every day acts like a Saturday. That's what it is. That's or, the, that's the or thing. every day is a weekend for a smaller movie. For instance, here's Spider-Man's first 17 days. Here are the numbers. And I want you to... Think of this in context of other movies opening weekends this year and the fact that these are on individual days. Yep. 122 million. That's obviously including Thursday. 73, 64. That's the first weekend. Then the first Monday it's out, 37. And just Monday, $37 million. 31, 27, 29. 19. Then we get back to the weekend. 31, 33, 24. It's second Monday. It's still making $21 million that day. In a day. That's what these, that's what Singh made this weekend. Yeah. That, the that King's Man it, hasn't made that yet. And yet that's its, that's its uh, 12th day, uh, 11th day in release. 21, 20. 20, 15, 23, and 17. And yesterday it made $7 million. And th- people were back to school and it made $7 million. So um, that's the benefit of opening a big movie over the holidays. Every day is like a small scale weekend. Every day plays as a Saturday. So we have a total of uh, $613 million. Domestically, it is already the... Ninth biggest film in history, passing Star Wars The Last Jedi and knocking Incredibles 2 out of the top 10. It's gonna pass Spider, it's gonna pass the Avengers tomorrow, or passed it today, actually. It'll pass Jurassic World by the and Titanic by this weekend, and then it'll end up somewhere around Avengers Infinity War. It'll pass that, and it, it'll it'll end up uh, between Black Panther at seven hundred million and Avatar at seven sixty to be either the fourth or third biggest film in domestic box office history worldwide. First of all, what what, what do you think about that for Spider Man No Way Home? I mean, I still think it's crazy. It's going but- to pass Black Panther to be the top grossing solo superhero film. Of all time. Now, does it seem like as big of a cultural moment as Black Panther to you? No, not at all. I know. And yet it is. Isn't that weird how that works? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I. it's probably just because in addition to this, there's even bigger things going on in the culture and in the world. But uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, it is pretty strange. Jurassic World and uh, the Avengers opened a month apart. Which one had the bigger cultural impact when it was released? When it was released, the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, anytime the Avengers. Okay, Jurassic World made uh, twenty nine million dollars more than the Avengers yeah. domestically. It's just weird how that happens. So, Spider Man, who's always been the most popular superhero uh, in the world, 
will become the uh, the top spot for the solo superhero movies and the second highest grossing MCU film domestically worldwide. It is currently number twelve with one point three eight billion dollars. It'll eventually get into the top ten, knocking Frozen two out of the top spot. Um, I don't know how much higher it'll go, but it could it could get as high as it could get as high as number six, passing Jurassic World. But yeah, one point three billion when we were looking at um, the sky high grosses of you know, Venom and uh, No Time to Die and, and Fast 9's 800 and 700 of, like, this is our peak. Um, just took the right movie to get people to go out to, to theaters, I guess. All right. Um, what else is going on at the box office? Spider-Man is going to cruise. There's Morbius just left. Um, January. Morbius just left January, so Spider-Man's just going to have it all to itself unless Scream really breaks it in, even though Scream 3 was indifferently received in 2000, and no one really saw Scream 4 in 2011. So very interesting to see what Scream will do. Um, What are you saying? Interesting. Yes. With Morbius being delayed to April 1st, 2022... In the time since the first trailer for Morbius was released, they filmed and released an entirely new Spider-Man movie. That's very strange. Think about that. I um... From when they released the Morbius trailer, they have filmed and released a whole new Spider-Man movie. And then some. We're still getting it months away. Yeah, that's that's really weird to me. You want to hear another? Well, you remember the the the, the holdout? The, remember the 2020 releases that we still haven't seen? The holdouts. Sure. I believe Jurassic World Dominion, maybe, but certainly Top Gun Maverick. And I was just Min- thinking about Top Gun Maverick the other day. And Minions: The Rise of Gru. Oh my God! The Rise of Gru. Minions. Listen to this. I'm going to give credit to Eileen Andrews at that Eileen NB. Minions, this is what she tweeted. Minions 2 is now delayed so long that it'll have had trailers play in front of both Sonic and Sonic 2. All right. That's super weird. That's a whole franchise was born and released a second installment. (laughs) And both movies have had the minions two trailer play before it minions two better be like a huge hit. It's that's what that's foolish. That's why they keep pushing it. They're really, I open. Know. um, all right. Any uh, other notable things? Ghostbusters afterlife creep back into the top, uh, 10. It was at number 11 last week, seven this week, got a bump from the holidays. It's at one twenty three. Um, a good note. Somebody posted on Twitter is that, uh, it's not doing huge business worldwide. It, it only made $61 million overseas um, for a $184 million total. So 67% of its gross, Noah, came from uh, domestic. So 61%, whereas Ghostbusters answer the call, made $100 million overseas. So that's better. 
and 128 million domestic. How much has this made domestic so far? Uh, 123. Correct. So it's made the same amount. Five years later, so inflation means less tickets sold than Ghostbusters answer the call and less overseas. Luckily, it costs less, but this might be why we haven't exactly gotten that sequel announcement just yet. Yeah. It's also, uh, and nobody cares about this, uh, much worse than Ghostbusters answer the call. Yeah. That's probably true. Which which um, was by itself, if you're asking me, pretty bad, mm. but still much worse. Um, Licorice Pizza had the second, uh, third biggest uh, per theater average in the top 10, which is nice. Um, yeah. Probably because the 70 millimeter just charges more for tickets. And uh, I think that might be it. Oh, I also want to note that in this time of pandemic, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, grows $212 million domestically. That, $212, that compared to a completely healthy marketplace, Venom being a huge hit with 213. So just a million dollars off even during a pandemic and in a crowded October. I think that's wildly successful. Yeah. And I wanted to note upon it. Think of what it would have done normal times. All right. That's all I got. All right. Then it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Did it, it make, make more, more or less, less than, than Die Hard, Die Hard 2? 2? We all know how to play. I name a movie. You tell me whether it made more or less than Die Hard 2 at the box office. For a bonus point, you can tell me what year the movie came out. Are you ready to play? I am. All right. Your first film, film one of three, is Kung Fu Panda 3. Oh. The, the final Kung Fu Panda. Is that true? I think it's true. Yes. They've only made three. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, I'm still. <sighs> the death of Kung Fu Panda. I'm still going to say more. It was more. People wanted to come out and see him uh, be killed in the film. Uh, 2000, 2000 and this is in January. It either 17. Okay. The second. Okay. The first one was in 2008. So the second was in 2000. I'm going to say 2017. Off by one. 2016. 16. That was a year earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your second film, The Devil Wears Prada. Less. More. Mm. Devil Wears Prada. Big hit. 2006. That is correct, though. Yeah. So you've got one point each. You just need one point to bring home the win on your third film, Magic Mike. Less. Oh, my good God. I didn't write it down. Why did I not write it down? Hold, please. I just have Magic Mike and the year it came out. Your answer was less. Let's see. That's definitely going to be the global number. Here we go. Here we go. Correct. Less. Yep. Less is correct. 2013. It was 12. 12 yeah i've only been off by one on those though that's true and it was a uh, it was a narrow win but a win nonetheless congratulations are you ready to go back in time for coming yes gone from the theater near you i am all yes. right this is a uh it's a bit of a strange one because as i mentioned up top uh box office mojo calls this week 53 
because it began in December and ended in January. A little strange. Uh, so not a ton of examples of those. Mm-hmm. And also movies aren't really released at this time. So we're going back to 2016. Excuse me. There were two extremely limited releases uh, to get out just in time for Oscars contention. One has to imagine. Well, so, the, so the date is the last weekend of 2015? No. So it was uh, December 30th, 2016 into okay. January 1st, 2017. Oh, God. I'll just need a hint right away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we're, yeah. These these movies were released in four theaters apiece. So we're going straight into our synopsis game. Were they nominated for Oscars? Do you know? I, off the top of my head, no. But okay, all right, all right. I'll just say you could do it by Oscar nomination. Okay, that's that's interesting. Let's say uh, I'll actually look that up real quick. Uh, the first, the first one has more of a chance. I don't think the second one was not. Yeah, the first one was nominated for one Oscar. Oh shit. Uh, <coughs> All right. Uh, opening at the 29th spot this weekend uh, was a nominee for Best Original Screenplay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right, does, does, does that help? No, it turns out it doesn't. Uh, all right. 20th Century to... Women. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Thank you. I Mike Mills, baby. Yeah, man. According to me, wait, do I have something for that? I bet I do over here. Go with the other thing. I'm going to look up what I think it should have been nominated for. Go ahead. Okay. I uh, so your second film was not nominated for any Oscars. Okay. I uh, but I suppose had a chance at an acting nomination, maybe screenplay, who knows. I uh, Let's see. This movie opened at well. First, twentieth uh, century women. Uh, you want to take a shot? Open in four theaters. No, I don't want to okay. take a shot. One hundred and eleven thousand dollars. It's a uh, twenty-seven thousand dollar per theater. Yeah, it's not. It's not set. Not setting anything on fire. No. Okay. I. Uh, all right. Here we go. Your second film opened at number thirty-six. A Quiet Observation. Hmm. Oh, God. Of the triumphs and defeats of daily life. Nope. Along with the poetry. Uh huh. Evident in its smallest details. That's the whole thing? That's the whole thing. That doesn't help me. Would that help you? I. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say. May, maybe read the full thing again. Okay. A quiet observation of the triumphs and defeats of daily life, along with the poetry evident in its smallest details. And I am hitting poetry. Yeah, no, I know it's you are. But it's there. not talking about a person, so it makes me feel like it's like a, a documentary. Is it a documentary? It is not a documentary. Well, then I don't know. No, what is it? I. Or you can give me more clues. All right, let's see. There's no way I. 
Oh, okay. I was just I was just about to say there's no way that I can name anyone else that was in this movie, but uh it did feature William Jackson Harper and Method Man, apparently. I remember William Jackson Harper. I don't remember Method Man playing himself. Method I uh, Patterson? Yeah, Patterson. Patterson the poet, the poet bus That's driver. Jarmish, right? It is Jarmish. That's why him and Method Man, him and the Wu Tang are close. I did not know that, and that yeah, is very he odd to me. He did um, Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai, and uh, okay. that was the first. That was the first movie that they uh, scored. Oh, fun! Yeah, uh, yeah. Patterson opened to sixty nine thousand dollars, seventeen thousand per theater average i thought 20th century women should have been nominated for best actress for annette benning okay along with amy adams arrival aula amamara divines natalie portman jackie and emma stone la la land who did i think should have walked away with the oscar out of those four i amy adams no uala I'm Amara. Yeah, Divines. Girl. You did Divines. like Divines. Runner-up was Emma Stone, La La Land. I also thought Toy Century Women should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Greta Gerwig, alongside ah. Viola Davis, Fences, Lily Gladstone, Certain Women, Molly Shannon, Other People, and Angori Rice, The Nice Guys. Who do I think should have won out of those contenders? Molly Shannon. Nope, Viola Davis, Fences. Shannon Damn was the runner-up. I also thought it should have been nominated for twenty uh, for best original screenplay, Mike Mills, along with Kelly Freeman Craig, The Edge of Seventeen, Chris Kelly, Other People, Richard Linklater, Everybody Wants Some, and Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. Out of those five, who would I have given the Oscar to? Lonergan. Correct. Yes. Runner up was Kelly Freeman Craig, The Edge of Seventeen. I would have also given 20th Century Women costume design nomination along with Allied, Jackie, La La Land, and the Nice Guys. Who would I have picked for the costume design out of those? Well, I certainly don't know. Jackie? No, Allied. Jackie would have been runner-up. Is Allied the one where like there was a spy? Who was in that? <laughs> Marion Cotillard? Was she a spy? Yes, and Brad Pitt, Robert Zemeckis. Brad Pitt, of course. Yes. Yeah, that movie was uh, unmemorable. Oh, I liked it. And I wrote, Contemporary meets classic is the too cool for school costuming of Allied Best exemplified the film's melding of past and present. I mean, these guys are stylish as hell. In fact, Allied encapsulated the mantra of the recent Triple X return of Xander Cage better than Triple X did. Kick some ass, get the girl, and try to look dope while you do it. Because he said that in Triple uh, X, remember? Samuel no, Jackson. Samuel Jackson says that to Vin Diesel. He kick says, dope? Ass, kick some ass, get the girl, and try to look dope while you do it. Samuel Jackson says it to Vin Diesel, yeah. Great. Uh, and then Excellent. finally, the last nomination, I would have given them five nominations. Best performance by an ensemble cast, along with Everybody Wants Some, Fences, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Who was I giving that award to? Uh, well. 20th Century Women, Everybody yeah. Wants Some, Fences, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Yeah, I think I think I gotta say Fences. It was Moonlight. The three actors embodying the same role perfectly. Moonlight uh, Fences was but, the runner-up. 
but didn't you wanted Viola to win for supporting actress and Denzel to win for actor, as I recall. That's all correct. Yeah. I would, I would, I would think that would uh, speak pretty well Mar- of the ensemble. I gave Mahershala supporting. All right. And also, three separate actors who had never met before were able to create a complete, complex, tragic, three-dimensional portrait of a character unfamiliar to mass audiences. Sure. I guess, yeah. Um, anyway, what's next? What are we doing? Uh, well, we've got the uh, the Poseidon Adventure season screenings. The finale of season screening. So it was um, going to be our New Year's episode. So Happy New Year, everybody. Um get vaxxed because i was excited to spend my new year in my fucking uh house i mean uh, you know relatively sure uh, i had to cancel a new year's party because of you but we watched the Poseidon adventure released december 12th 1972 directed by ronald nimay written by sterling siliphant and wendell mays Starring Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Red Buttons, Carol Lanley, Roddy McDowell, Stella Stevens, Jack Albertson, Pamela Sue Martin, Eric Shea, and Leslie Nielsen. Has an 80 on Rotten Tomatoes, 70 on Metacritic. Nominated for eight Academy Awards, Noah. That's uh, very impressive. Sound, original dramatic score, film editing, costume design, cinematography, art direction, and Best Supporting Actress for Shelley Winter. She also won the Globe for her performance. It won, two a uh, Special Achievement Visual Effects Oscar and Best Original Song for The Morning After. There's got That's fun. to be a morning after. Uh, this was not your first time seeing it. Um, it was mine. We should tell the story of the remake. Sure. This is a, it's more, more your story than mine. So why don't uh, you go ahead? Well, it all started the first weekend of May, 2006. I saw Mission Impossible 3 with my mom that Friday. Saturday, I got a text or a call. I don't know how you did business back then from Noah saying, Hey, my mom and I are going to go see Mission Impossible 3. You want to go? And I said, yeah, all right. I just saw it, but it was good. Let's go. We went to go see it next weekend. I saw Poseidon, the remake of the Poseidon Adventure, um, with my mom on Friday. It was just okay. Next day, I get a call from Noah. Hey, my mom and I are going to go see Poseidon in IMAX. You want to go? And I said, yeah, I'll see it in IMAX. All right, fine. And I uh, went again. And I got to tell you, I, won't, I will not soon forget how gorgeous that tidal wave is in the remake and also just the little detail i remember the imax screen when they panned across the boat at the beginning and you could see people walking on it every little detail on that imax popped it was gorgeous but um i had never seen the original and i think i had not seen it in so long as to basically have never seen it i mean as soon as soon as it started and the credits came on i went gene hackman is in this by the way, no uh, opening logo. Oh, yeah. Straight onto the boat. Yeah. I I thought this movie was awesome. Yeah. It's like I I I had I had I came in with the impression that like oh it's just some kind of like old-timey trashy disaster movie that like maybe maybe people like but isn't like good, you know? It's it's really good. I 
Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine are incredible. Uh, Shelley Winters is also quite good. Uh, every, everyone's good. The whole cast is good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the effects of the uh, the boat disaster are good, and it's just, it's very uh, it's a it's a very like effectively done disaster scene, and then uh, and then follow up in the uh, in the ballroom there. Uh, and yeah, I was I was I was kind of uh, really caught off guard by how much I enjoyed this. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a ton of fun. You know, she's talking about the the ballroom scene, and it's so impressive how everything's upside down but i did notice in one shot in the ballroom scene on the ceiling were the tables and the chairs oh and i thought do you mean to tell me that the chairs in your dining room are secured to the floor and you cannot move them because that is a terrible design flaw the tables i get but yeah the chairs i don't think so no, it, 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 I saw it and I thought, oh, that's silly. They were just like, put more. We have to show it's upside down. Put more stuff there. But, um, you know, I, I, I thought that it did an, it did uh, just the right amount of character development for everybody, especially Gene Hackman. I love how brash he was immediately. Just like yeah. just going against a religion right away, and um, it, it 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 made his the emotional crux of his character, the demise of Shelley Winters, when he just says no, not this woman, um, so impactful, um, you know, and uh, everyone's great in it. There was, you know, I think a few. I thought that the the death of um, Ernest Borgnine's wife was a little too just suddenly she's dead. Sure, she kind of falls out of nowhere. I also I think disaster movies have prepared me for this. I expected way more of them to die, and especially in the remake, we lose someone every level of yeah. the of the plan. Yeah, I was I was going in expecting that too because that's usually how uh, these movies go, especially nowadays when a a group of survivors has to go from room to room or from stage to stage. Uh, especially in like a horror movie. If you're watching, uh, you're watching escape room or you're watching like cube or something. Uh, it's like, all right, well, somebody is going to die in this iteration of the cube. Someone's going to yeah. die in this escape room game. Yeah. Saw's the same way. Most horror yeah. movies with a group. That's the case. Yeah, and it was uh, we lost and, uh, lost very few of them. I was sure that um, the general. What's his name? I should find what his name is. Was it Red Buttons? Yes. Yeah, as the uh, the sort of uh, the wimpy haberdasher man. Yeah, I thought Red Buttons was going to die like four times. I I thought he was going to close off a thing and just you know let them escape. I thought he was going. Um, I also thought that, uh, Noonie's main role was to be useless. And I thought, yeah, oh, she's, she's like, I can't climb anymore. Then she's like, I also cannot swim. It's like, God damn it. Noonie. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. that was funny. Uh, Katie came in about like halfway through me watching this and sat down and kind of half watched the rest of it with me. And at one point she looks up and she's like, so is Nani good for anything? Cause because in everything I've seen her do, she's just been kind of completely useless. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, she her brother died in the opening scene, so she's kind of sad about that. But 
but yeah. like no. No. I thought they, no. they did a good job. I thought uh Jack Albertson and Shelly Winters were great together. Um yes. Jack Albertson. I mean, is is there is there like a more famous cinematic uh like just comfort grandpa? I do we have one? Uh, your guy. Uh Hal Holbrook. Mr. Yeah, Hal Holbrook. Thank you for knowing who your guy is. I mean, I guess I just feel like when you when you go like a movie grandpa, I'm like, oh yeah, Jack Albertson. That's who that right. is. Um, uh, yeah, he was, and that was that was really I think the thing that made this movie so good is that the cast was great and like they really they really just kind of brought all of their characters. Oh my god, Gene Gene Hackman shouting "you pompous ass" from across uh, the ballroom. Yeah, and this one guy who's like, I'm not going anywhere. It's like, listen, you pompous ass, and just like shouts it. Yeah, that's another another great strength of this movie is that it understood what it had in Gene Hackman, and just kind of let him scream. Boy, he is just full throttle in this movie. I would follow him anywhere. I also he, thought that. Um, I also thought that. Uh, uh, Leslie, first of all, Leslie Nielsen in a completely yeah, straight I, role. I always forget that he was just a serious actor for so long. And like, I, I did not, I did not clock that that was Leslie Nielsen as the captain at first, but I did, I swear to God, I did think to myself getting a lot of Leslie Nielsen vibes from this guy. <laughs> Yeah, and I then, thought that, and then I forgot about it until the end, until the end credits, and I saw Leslie Nielsen as the captain, and I was like, "Oh, I was right," and also that's right. He was just an actor, and then him, and then there's that moment where they're looking at the the sonar, and they just go, and he just goes, "Oh, by the way, happy New Year." Yeah, <laughs> goes, you too, sir. And I thought, oh, that's just like so. He it was such a line to toe because anything he says is funny because he's just a fucking hysterical guy. Yeah. But like, so like, if he was in any other movie, he adds one more note of inflection, and that gets a huge laugh. But he held it back just enough where I was like, that's a funny line, but you didn't sell it as funny. So good for yeah. you. Yeah, it's a funny line, but it's not like a big joke. Uh, yeah. Very dangerous to end your movie with a monologue of the priest screaming at God. Yeah. Just, I just like, that's, that's one, it's one of the hokiest things just written down. Like, and then, and then the, the, uh, the priest shaken in his faith screams at God, take me, you bastard. And then he does. And, it just it it works. It completely works, it works. because it works. because it's Gene Hackman. Yeah, him him holding on to that thing, yelling "Take me!" as he like turns the thing. It's just it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. You know the the effects hold up. It did get a little tiresome where it was just like we move on to here and we can't get out and then we can and we go here and we crawl through a thing. But and like the I thought there was so much swimming and so much shots of swimming that I was okay. like, I, we're, I got we got in a lot of swimming. But uh, everybody sold it. Everyone looked dirty. It looked like a hell of a movie to have to like shoot. Like the makeup yeah. every day to get that dirty and sweaty and wet. I mean, just it looks like a million bucks. And it is like it's just it's a ton of fun. It is. It's great. What did uh, what did you think of the movie's treatment of Shelley Winter's character? By calling her fat and shit? Yeah, just it was it was just very like I I, I, I think that's a big thing for this movie is like i think that she had just gained that weight 
Okay. Just in her normal life. And then they just make a movie, not around that, but she just gets that role where they're calling her out on it. So people are like, it's really like, you know, kind of brave that she was just like, yeah, just let's talk about it. And that's just what it is. And I, um, I mean, she does like, you know, do the thing at the end. Yeah. I, I thought the whole, the whole thing struck me as like in a, you know, in terms very much adjusted for the seventies, like pretty, pretty well handled. Yeah. You know, I could, I could, I could tell that the intention and like the spirit towards that character was good. Even if like the words they were saying, like the, the log line of character is basically like, ah, this fat whale's a hell of a dame. Well, yeah. Which is, which is like, not 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 how you're supposed to put it but it's still like she was she was she was among the uh, the biggest heroes of the movie and was was just treated in a very humane way throughout and i was just they were they were towing the line the whole time yeah well they have that sweet moment where the the kid just kind of goes you know i hope you don't think that i made that joke about you i also thought it was really a good character moment that they have the um they have Linda uh, Stella Stevens, who was a former yeah. uh, who was a former centerfold for Playboy. Say like, let me go ahead of her in case she clogs it up with her fat, something like that, right? Where she right. The, the where she clogs it up, and then after Shelley Winters dies, uh, Stella Stevens gets out of the water and just gives her a look, and you can see the remorse on her face, where she feels bad about what she said. But she doesn't say it. There could have easily been a moment where she said, oh, no, and I was mean to her or something. Or she, like, like gets down to the body and goes, like, I'm sorry about what I said. But you could just see on her face. She's like, oh, it was like a person. And yeah, now they're gone and stuff. So I thought that was a really interesting um, and really subtle thing for a movie that is not subtle about so much. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a lot of a lot of little things. Just a a very solid movie made very well, I thought. Now, are you going to watch the uh, sequel Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, um, which came out a few five years later and stars Michael Caine and Sally Field? Probably not. Okay. Also, Carl but, Malden. But I, I don't know, what what could that be about? What is that about? Well, I'll tell you. It is about. The film picks up directly after the events of the previous film. The capsized luxury liner SS Poseidon is still afloat after six advise- uh, survivors were rescued. Tugboat Captain Mike Turner spots the rescue helicopter, subsequently finds a shipwreck accompanied by his second mate and a passenger. He heads out to claim salvage parts as the tugboat Jenny lost her cargo in the same tsunami that capsized Poseidon. They are soon followed by somebody and his crew who claim to be Greek Orthodox uh, medics who receive the ship's SOS. They encounter the shit. They they find more survivors. Okay, sure. That's what I. No, I'm probably not going to watch that. I'm a little. You're I'm a little curious, curious about Poseidon. About sure. Which I like would not, happily watch Poseidon with you. Not in a way that like I think maybe it's actually good, but more like how did they fuck it up? It's got a hell of a supporting. First of all, Wolfgang uh, Peterson knows how to shoot. Disaster. He shot, you know, he directed Troy, but uh-huh. more importantly, he directed The Perfect Storm. And he made this movie, and it's got a hell of a supporting cast. And by that, I mean, like, 
below the so like Jimmy Bennett is in it who played Riggins next door neighbor. Okay. Kevin Dillon, like whatever, right? For, uh, Fergie is the singer, but she dies early on. Mike Vogel, whatever. I mean, there's like some, there's like a few people in it that are just yeah. like uh, Andre yeah. Brower is the captain. Josh Luke, yeah, Josh Lucas, but Kurt Russell, Emmy Rossum, Richard Dreyfus, like Kurt Russell, Richard Dreyfus alone, like let's go. Yeah, Kurt Russell as the, um, I think like essentially the uh, the probably Ernest Borgnine or actually you know what I think it is I think he's more of a of the Gene Hackman. Like, See, I I, re- I remember the movie like starring Josh Lucas. No, it does, but I don't think that Josh Lucas is like the gristled i think he just leads the way he is let's see former new york city mayor and firefighter robert ramsey yeah kurt russell plays the former firefighter just like uh so i mean i mean maybe he is i just i think he's more brave than borgnine i think he's the one that like goes like we have to go this way come on that kind of thing okay they kind of combine them into one dude yeah yeah i think that that's probably the biggest misstep that this movie makes right off the bat is that it should just star Kurt Russell and Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. But it doesn't, it stars Josh Lucas. And who is a bland, that turned out. who's a bland white guy who, yeah. Even in 2006, they gave all the shots to, yeah. You know, to, uh, to paraphrase Chris rock. If you want Matthew McConaughey, but all you can get is Josh Lucas. <laughs> you wait. Cost one hundred and sixty million dollars in two thousand six. I, which isn't. I mean, it's it's like, I get it. Sure, you have a director who you could put from the director of the Perfect Storm in Troy, and it's like this big disaster remake. I mean, I I get it. I just think you needed to have some kind of star power behind it too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, how many? Um, let's see. We can't do cookies. How many? Um, uh how many glasses of champagne yeah how many flutes of champagne are you giving uh the poseidon adventure i think i gave it four all right i'm going three and a half was my rating all right all right and our final stocking stuffer we watched the one with all the resolutions from friends season five episode 11 aired january 7th which three days away 1999 um, it is, of course, the one where they all decide to make resolutions. Um, Phoebe wants to build an aircraft. Joey wants to play the guitar. Rachel's going to stop gossiping. Chandler's not going to make jokes. What is Ross just wants to be happy? Ro- yeah, Ross is going to do one new thing every day. That's right. What is That's insane. What does Monica want to do again? Uh, Monica wants to take photographs. Monica's oh, not right. really in this one. She's got a camera. Well, yeah. the big thing happens with them where uh, Rachel finds out about that. Sure. But um, it has one of the all-time gags. We talked about the leather pants. The leather pants. I... One of the great pieces of physical comedy of the 90s on television. When When he mixes the lotion and the baby powder together. When Joey says, yeah, make a paste. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Joey on the phone is like, you know, I gave Joey a pretty low ranking earlier. It's an excellent phone call for Joey. Yeah, There's, there's there's a line where he says, um, 
I have lotion. Well, he goes, yeah, throw some of that on there. <laughs> yeah. He's showing like, do you see any Vaseline? Ross goes, uh, yeah, I have lotion. Will that work? And he goes, yeah, sure. Why not? There's also the opening line where he goes, um, he says, uh, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, hey, Ross. Uh, he goes, Ross goes, I need some help. And he goes, oh, Chandler's not here. And he goes, you could help me. And George goes, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have the scene on. I want to see if there's any other lines. Yeah. Josh goes like, oh, I don't know about that, but all right. Yeah. But um, yeah, he tells yeah. him to make a pace him like him, like the, the idea and he sells it so well. Ross does that. He doesn't care what, like he's just pouring like powder that if yeah. he does get the pants up are going to look unexplainable. Yeah. No, disgusting. But he does not care. You could just see the sense of him. Just like, I just need them up above my waist. And then, I'm then I'll have pants on. Yeah. And then I don't care. I don't have to leave um, this bathroom not wearing pants. It's also um, like, also, I don't know if your legs would get that hot in pants, you know, just like, no, probably not. Down. Calm down. I think but, I was, uh, I was simultaneously uh, impressed by David Schwimmer selling that he could not pull on the pants. Yeah. Well, also just clocking that like he definitely could. He's just not trying to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's something about maybe the way he stands, where he's standing, his legs are a little farther apart, so it is a little more difficult. Yeah. But um, him him holding the pants and leaning his head to the phone on the seat going, they're not yeah. coming on, man. They're not coming on, man. It's <laughs> like, that, that's, ex- on, that's man. exactly the kind of Ross thing that, like, you're not getting in season two. Yeah, season sure. Two, Throw some of that on, sack. And also, like, the noises he makes when he puts the lotion on, he's like, oh. Like, he yeah. just doesn't. And, like, he, like, squirts some on his butt and goes, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but him just, the, the slap on the head, I mean, is there, is there a, ba- I mean, is I, I, the, 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 the white paste flying, the hair flipping back, it's so fucking funny and it's such an indelible image and the line he says where he goes in the lotion and the powder have made a paste yeah <laughs> joey goes what color is the paste he's like really yeah what color is it <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's it's really good it's just it's sit it's sitcom making at its best and i think the whole episode is kind of like that yeah and just what if we have six characters what if each one of them had a res excuse me what if each one of them had a resolution and there's our episode. We're done. Oh yeah. Chandler Chandler can't be mean. Joey and Phoebe are learning the guitar. A lot of lot of different stories of Phoebe trying to teach Joey things in this show. There's also I was going to say it reminds me of the French thing. There's yeah. also there's also that great moment where Chandler where Ross walks in in the pants originally and Chandler just goes, "But they're so tight." Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have anything to say? Yeah. Look at how tight they are. There might be something going on here. <laughs> he, like he cups his hands around them. Like, yeah. look how tight they are. Um, Joey uh, Chandler putting the, the, the rooster or the chicken in Joey's face. Yeah. Very funny. Very it's great. great. It's great. And then, uh, yeah, Rachel finding out. Although I feel like if, if, if my significant other said, no, that's why your name is Mr. Big Dick. Yeah, I feel like I'd be like, let's let's have a talk about the dirty names, <laughs> because I think we can do better. Can we have another pass at the name? 
Because like if she goes like, "Aren't you Mr. Big Dick?" I'd be like, "I, don't, I sound like a stuffed animal." <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, like not, a stuffed animal from like the 1920s before that was dirty. Yeah, where it's like you know the presidential Richard Nixon teddy bear. It's seven feet tall. Get your own Mr. Big Dick, and it's just like I, I just feel like that's not. It's not. It seems so childish. Maybe that, she was gonna say something more crass than Dick. Mr. Big Cock, that's the same thing. That's that sounds like a cartoon rooster now. And I don't I still I just sounds like a Paul Thomas not, Anderson character. It's not it's not uh it's not good. Um but yeah, no, it's, but then it, Rachel screaming was good. She's she's just great. Everyone's it's a great show. Yeah. What else can you say? Anything else about this episode of Friends? How much to talk about other than it's really it's the pants are the highlight of this fucking episode. Yeah, the the pants are the highlight. Uh, it's I mean I th- I think the the period of the show when Monica and Chandler are together in secret and everyone slowly finds out. Yeah, is is probably just the peak of the show. Sure, because it's a great way to to like introduce tension and a a bit of a through line of storytelling without without trying to like expand the sitcom or whatever like it's it's still just a classic piece of tv sitcom making but also there's like this little thing going on and like oh now rachel knows and she found out the storyline whoa uh yeah it's a lot of fun it's a great show since chandler's your favorite character i bet uh you love when Ross walked in holding his pants and it's just like wet all over him. And Chandler just goes, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause he can't say anything. Yeah. I also, I also loved Phoebe's face when Chandler or when Joey strikes the guitar to the floor and she just sits there yeah. looking at the guitar. Yeah. So angry. Uh, was, it, was, the, was the chord at least right no. when I hit it? No, no, no. <laughs> And then Ross, uh, the cowboy, and he's just, oh, you know, they had these pants. He just gets so excited again. Yeah. <laughs> and just when he, when he's like, I'm going to kiss Ben goodnight. And then like slowly starts waddling to his room, <laughs> like covered in shit, just yeah, looking he, like he, a he, monster. See, he drew like a cowboy and he just goes, Be- because of the leather pants. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should. Pair. And he has his hand in his mouth and he goes, yeah. his fingers out. He goes, maybe I get another pair. It's like, no. Yeah, he's uh it's great. It's a great show. All right, I no, agree. recommend a movie for the folks for this week slash weekend. All right. Uh guys, it's been out for a little while. Uh but I have not recommended formally licorice pizza yet. That will be my recommendation as well. I uh, just incredibly good. It's only in uh, it's less than a thousand theaters right now, so it might be a little bit of a look, but uh you know, who doesn't love a discourse? I, I I know I do. I uh, yeah one of one of my absolute favorite movies of the year. Paul Thomas Anderson does it again. Who knew? It's uh it's really sweet and tender and just um really really funny. Yeah. So uh check it out for sure. It's great. All right, Noah, plug us up. All right, you can come find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at witboxoffice. So there's also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Druki. I'm at Brian DeServer, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. And of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We're right behind you. 
Oh my, it's terrifying. And yet, it's the case. We're not, because I am in isolation. <laughs> That's true. We're responsible. Because, because, I'm right behind you. Yeah, I don't know what is right behind you. I am in my room because um, people can't be bothered to take care of each other. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm so we're, mad. We're so close. Okay. Uh, next week. God, what the hell could be coming out next week? More well, I'll, t- I'll t- No. Well, I'll oh. tell you what's be number one at the box office. It's going to be Spider-Man. But uh, also coming out, uh, the 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 three five five three five five. How the- could we? not have uh, known that offhand you know it's real it's really nice how in the in the way that you know movies can now come out whenever uh and there's 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 no such thing as like oh this is a january movie this is a july movie like movies are movies now uh there's still people out there forging ahead saying no i am going to make a january movie i'm going to make the most january movie you've ever seen and it'll be called the three five five. If you want a fun uh, Twitter investigation, uh, there's a I don't know how big, but there's certainly a group of people that think uh, the three five five is going to be uh, not a movie, but actually a message from Q. Enjoy. Next week we'll be back. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> no, I I will not. Hey, if it gets Thank people, to, if it gets if it gets people to the theater. What if three five five opens to twenty million dollars <laughs> and I, record and record walkouts twenty minutes in, just going, I, I there's nothing here. What's going I don't on? No, this movie has women in it. Yeah. Um. We'll see you next week. This has been what's in the box office. I've been your host Brian, and I've been your host Noah for the last time this season. And until then, as Krusty the Clown once said, "Have a merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a crazy Kwanzaa, a tip top tet, and a solemn." Eventful Ramadan.